Now, we are in a conversation here today. Um, we are in a conversation here today, and it's, it's tied around the God questions. And we asked this on Easter, like, hey, send in some God questions. And God questions came in on who is God, what is God, what is purpose. And we answered that week number one. Questions around marriage and what that looks like. Can I get a divorce was another thing um, uh, that was asked. Another thing in canon of scriptures and how it comes together, uh, dating, singleness, whatever it may be. There's a lot of questions that came in. And then they put it on social media, which I didn't say put it on social media, but they asked on social media. And you know crazy people are on social media. So you get the Looney Tunes that start putting questions in towards just madness, right? It's like, aliens, are they real? You know, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm not talking about aliens, okay? So all the questions that came in by people that don't come to our church on social media, I'm not answering those things. I'm answering the question that came in on Easter that were uh, given to us, and that's what I'm going through. And I'm talking really fast because i got to get through it because we're going to go for a long time here. i got a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about, but we're going to get into it. So today we're going to talk about purity. Because really from this place, when you talk about anything else inside of life, anything else inside of life, it flows from purity. Purity is what informs everything else inside of life. Where there is purity, there's a heart that is honoring God. And when we can, even, we can talk about singleness, and you know, when I'm talking about these conversations on marriage and can I get a divorce and what the design of marriage looks like and all of this, there's, there's single people that are like, well, what about us? I'm like, well, we got to talk about married and then we talk about you and you... You know, all, you know like every conversation, I can't be like everybody at the same time. We got to talk specifically about certain different things um, on certain weeks that may not necessarily completely directly tie to you, but if you're aware and you're listening and you're learning, the Holy Spirit will convict you and teach you and train you towards things that may be irrelevant to you today. It's the heart that's willing to learn that the Holy Spirit will do that. And questions came out on like, well, what about my singleness? Well, I'm divorced and single or... You know, can I stay single for the rest of my life? I'm like, yes, all of that, yes. And God has something to say about it. And so I said, you know what? The best thing for us to do, because even talking about can I get a divorce last week, brings the question into, well, what is, what is the true motives inside of there? Yes, you can get a divorce, but God's intention is that you would not get a divorce. That's not God's intention. But he's done it out of concession of the evil heart of man. We talked about it all last week. Go watch the message. But you can even look at some people who say, well, Jesus said, even if you looked with eyes of lust, you've committed adultery inside of your heart. And I'm like, yes, I know that, you know. I had some people ask the question. I'm like, yes, I know that. And I chose that week to not put that in there because we're talking specifically about the issue of divorce. And then we can talk about the heart. And so really this conversation is out of, let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about where we're at. Let's talk about purity inside of our lives because out of it's going to flow all the issues of life as we're going to read about here today. And so if you want to take notes, you can write this across the top of paper. Keep, our key to keeping it pure. Key to keeping it pure. Key to keeping it pure. It's going to flow out. Everything's going to flow out of this right here. Purity. Everything's going to flow. Now, how many of you guys ever found yourself running from something before? Anybody? Come on. If you're a young generation, you are running from authority. Come on. Don't lie. Well, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'll tell you that right now. I already know. Google told me. Google's great, right? How many of you guys uh, find yourself in a place where sometimes you got to run from your spouse? Anybody? Anybody? Amen. 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 Anybody in here find yourself sometimes where you've had to run from a dog? Come on, you've been on the road? Walking down the street, you hear a dog bark, you automatically be you're trying to run. You know, there's, there's moments in life where we find ourselves where we are running. We, we got to run from some things. We got to run from situations. And, and typically, whenever we're running, we're removing ourselves from the harm uh, that a situation presents and poses. You know, the Bible would indicate to us inside of life this one key area, because when you talk about purity, everybody's mind goes towards 
sexual purity, everybody. Or not, maybe not everybody, okay, but young people, a lot of young people, you know, people single, dating, all that other stuff. They're like, purity, how do we keep this thing pure? Because I got flesh and I got flesh. It's, uh, this is awesome. How do I keep it pure? Like, what does this look like for me? Like, how, how do I stay right? How do I stay in this place? And, and the Bible would indicate to us that this, this area uh, of sexual purity, it's one area, but the real, reality is there's multiple areas that affect our purity. That's, this is just one area, but purity is far bigger than just sexual purity. I know all the couples in here that are dating, you like, man, he's getting up in the grill today. <laughs> Woo! All the divorced and single mingling now, y'all like, dang, he's getting up in the grill. Purity isn't just age-defined. Purity is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a biblical conviction. If you're not married today, you're called the purity, which means no, no relation with each other, right? You're like, I don't like that. Well, God's word says it. So I don't care if you like it. God's word says it. So moving on, 1 Corinthians, this is, it talks about in here that there's something you should run from. And this thing you should run from is sexual immorality, sexual sin. Why? Because it affects your body. Let's read inside of here. Paul's writing to a, a church in Corinth. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's very um, fleshly. It's uh, somewhat like Las Vegas, if you want to put it in that context. Um, they, they're, they're living by Greek philosophy and, and, and uh, Grecian truths and stuff like that, philosophers writing. And inside of this culture, they had a low value on sexual purity. It was a, is a fleshly desire that they believed could be lived out with anybody. You had your commitment to your spouse, but you had a, 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 a desire inside of your flesh. And so long as you lived that out with somebody that was in the trade of that, you were in good standing, you did not commit, commit adultery. Now, Paul's stepping into the conversation on, you guys are believing a worldly truth. Let me give you some biblical truth. Here's the biblical truth that you can elevate yourself above a Grecian philosopher's ideas and you can live according to biblical truth that God has given humanity and this will inform you so that you can live a pure life. So it goes on to say inside of here, you say I'm allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true though, someday God will do away with both of them. So he's off the bat. You care about food and stomach and this whole thing, but the reality is God's doing away with all of those things. When we get to heaven, that's not even going to matter. It's not even going to matter. So don't bring that argument up. So he goes on to say, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about what? Our bodies. So everybody in here on a baseline we got to come to a fundamental understanding that our bodies are not our own. We are on loan, Right? God has created us, formed and fashioned us. He put, you breathe our spirit, breathe the spirit of life into us. And today this thing is going away. Now we're going to have a resurrected body. We have a management, a responsibility over the body today. But the world will tell us that, hey, this flesh that you feel doesn't really matter. Paul's like, no, 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 no. That's bad philosophy, bad ideology. Get into a perspective that the body matters. Because the body is made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our body. So moving on, he goes on to say, and God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. They believed that that was okay. And he's like, never. How are you going to take 
this beautiful thing that's a part of Christ and then conjoin it with something that's completely, you know, not right, immoral. So it goes on. Um, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. Now, this is a key scripture you got to hear inside of here because modern day, what, he, what, what he's saying is man or woman comes to another man or woman that has a low level of belief around purity and you join yourself to that person, which is this culture today. You join that self to that person in a sexual relationship, you are now physically in contact in this beautiful God-designed thing, and you, the two of you have become one, but you're not, in mar- you're not married. There's no covenant relationship. It was just a physical activity. Now what do you get in our world today? There's a whole lot of physical activity without any commitment. So what do you have? You have soul ties going everywhere. You're one with, you can be one. I'm not saying you are. Don't get me wrong, okay? Not in this church. I'm talking about other people, okay? You can be in this place where you have a low, because you believe the world standard and you don't care over your body, you were given into fleshly desires. We give into fleshly desires that now our bodies are one with a whole lot of people. But God's designed us to be one with one. Father, we leave our father and mother and we cleave to our wives. One. That's God's design. God's plan. Now, we're pushing for that, and I get it. We live in a broken world, and if you're here today and you're separated, you're broken, you're divorced, whatever it is, God can redeem it, restore it, everything else in between. That's not what I'm saying. It's not conviction. It's not a, a judgment, but this is God's design, biblical truth, God's design. So inside of here, I mean, if, if we are of the Lord's, how in the world are we going to come and connect with somebody else? That's not God's design, right? That's a marriage dynamic. That's what God wants to do in marriage. So if we can join, this should become one. So he says this, um, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against what? Your own body. It's a sin against your own body. Because here's flipping over, last part of this. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Given to you by God. And you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So the final statement is this. With all that's being said, what should you do? So you, sh- you must honor God with your body. Whole thing, elevate your, your understanding of God's expectations, value this body in which God has breathed life into that is on loan. It's bigger and better than the fleshly desires. God has a plan and a purpose behind it and an expectation. And with these expectations, see it as God sees it, not as the world sees it, so you can honor God with it. Elevate your desire that you would honor God with it. First thing off the bat, If you don't honor your body and respect the body God has given you, you will treat it as worthless and you will treat it without value. Has anybody in here ever been devalued before? Not valued for who you are. We live in a culture here today that wants to decry devalued. Not respected, not valued. You don't see me for who I am. Reality is they don't see themselves for who God sees them. And they use their body for whatever whim or desire they have. It's a scary place to be when we don't respect what God has given us. God has blessed us with this and calls us to uh, honor it and present our lives honorable towards him. Galatians 5 would say this, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit and the fleshly desires, and these things are at war, this challenge that we face, it's, it's a reality of what we live in and something that we're fighting in. In Galatians 5, it says, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what? What your sinful nature craves. 
If the Holy Spirit, right, Jesus, it's better that I go away, that I would send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truth, it will comfort you. You know, it's better that you would have the Spirit of God working in you, that dwells in you, lives in you, this new in you, drive your, the direction of your life rather than the sinful nature. So if you're allowing the Spirit to guide you, which means your intentions and your motives are to honor God, His presence is is giving you the will. His presence is giving you the direction. His presence is giving you the desire. His presence is confronting the sin. His presence is guiding you inside of your life. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Now, everybody inside of here, we all face sinful nature, the the cravings of our natural sinful humanity. We live here, every single person. So it says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are what? Constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So led by the spirit, everybody in here, good intentions. But where's the hang up? It's the fleshly desires. So the spirit's leading us. We're able to confront those fleshly desires and say, we're not gonna live like that. That's not how we're gonna operate. The spirit is gonna lead us in the direction of holiness and righteousness. But here was the deal. We live in a corrupt world here today that we have flesh around us and we desire evil things. Now, if you read down in this scripture, and I'm not gonna list all the things, but there's idolatry, sexual immorality, um, greed, lust, all of these things that are tied towards the sinful nature. The product of a sinful nature leads to these behaviors that are immoral, that aren't right, that would compromise the purity of our lives. Now, at a baseline, your body matters, God cares about it, and you got flesh on you. The only way you can confront the flesh is to be led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is, Holy Spirit, you come and dwell in on the inside of me. Jesus, what? John baptized with water, but Holy Spirit come, or Jesus come to baptize in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you light that fire, boy, it purifies. Any of the dross, any of the chaos, you want to you purify it? Put a fire to it. So gold, you put it under fire. I love gold rush. I love it. You get up to 1,930 degrees, gold begins to melt. Something like that. I think that's what they said. Don't fact check that, okay? But you put fire under. What happens if you have the right things in there? It'll pull the impurities out and leave the purity within. But it's under heat. It's under pressure. Fire comes and does that. And Jesus comes to purify. When he purifies our lives, we're in this place where there's a new heart. There's a new life, and now we're full of the Holy Spirit in order to be led by the Spirit to confront the flesh. This is how we overcome the fleshly desires that are on the inside of us. Bad thoughts, bad ideas, bad actions, bad philosophy that lead towards a corrupt, compromised behaviors uh, uh, behaviors that dishonor God. We want to live pure. There's a place of purity that God has for us. Let's talk about that. What is biblical purity? What am I talking about today? Biblical purity. What is it? Biblical purity is, bam, state of being or a process of becoming free of sin. If you just want to get to the, the, the brass tacks of it. The state of the process of, uh, of eliminating or becoming free of sin inside of our lives. That is biblical purity. God has an expectation on what righteousness is. The devil has fallen from, from heaven 
He's the ruler of this world. He is tempting all of humanity to compromise biblical values and standards in order to separate them from God and ultimately, ultimately captivate their heart that he may control them and um, uh, keep them away from their heavenly father for eternity, that the wages of their sin, their life away from God would cause death over their life and they would not receive the free gift of Jesus Christ that can transform them and make them right. That is the goal of the enemy. So purity is, we're in this place where it's the process of getting the funk out the junk. The process of getting the funk out the heart, getting the funk out the life. It's the process of taking all these impurities that come from fleshly desires and saying, God, you got expectation. We got to get ourselves in alignment with what you expect because we live in a corrupt world. So if we want to take a one-liner in here, the basic goal of religion is to attain purity before the deity. Purity before our deity, our creator that gave us the body, breathed life into us. He's got expectations. How do you know that he's got expectations? Because we got 66 books inside of the Bible written by 46 different authors, I believe, over 1,800 years. It's been a long time since I said that. I got to go back and brush up on that. He, he has inspired the word of God over 1,800 years through multiple different authors all of it to tell the story of humanity, the challenge of humanity, the restorative work through Jesus Christ to bring us into a place of understanding of the challenges of humanity and the redemptive work that comes through Jesus Christ and how we overcome. This is us getting us purity before our deity. He's got an expectation. His word says it. If you do this, then I will bless you. No sin that shall enter the, the, uh, the presence of God, Right? All who come to Jesus Christ, right, shall be saved. There's clarity around expectation on how we should live. This is religion. This is faith. This is movie. This is not feel good, hair on the back of my neck, stand up. Such a great atmosphere created without any conviction to say, I want to be holy as my creator is holy. This is moving in a direction to say, I am fallen man but I serve a perfect God that has an expectation that I would live righteous before him, holy before him. I'm not good where I'm at. I'm on the journey. It's a process of getting the sin out and the right living in. It is a journey. This is spiritual and biblical purity. This is the desire of our lives and should be the desires of our heart. We're not just here to feel good. We're here to know God and live righteously here on this earth. All of life's issues flow from this right here. Matthew uh, 5 would say this, Jesus speaking in all his, his famous message, the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, which he would preach everywhere he would go, and you hear me say that a lot. But everywhere Jesus went, he would always teach the Beatitudes because it's the fundamentals of faith. It says this in Matthew 5, 8, along with all the other things that God blesses those who do X, Y, and Z, the first one being God blesses those who realize their need for him. The realizing that you need God, God blesses the first one off the bat, but this is later down the line. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for what? They will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Pure being, my motives are in the right place. I want to honor God with my life. I want to make the right decisions in my sexual purity. I want to make the right decisions in my, my pursuit of my career. I want to make the right decisions in how I live before people. I'm in the purest mode that I want to honor God with my life. I want my heart to be pure. I want this. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. They will see God. If I ask anybody here, who wants to see God? Everybody be like, I want to see God. 
It'd be legit, right? Either it's going to it's gonna be like this beautiful moment where we get to see our creator and the beauty of who he is, or for some of us, it's like, you're real. Okay, I'm going to get serious then. But here's the deal. God blesses those who are pure at heart. If you want to see God, then it comes through a purity of heart. Purity of heart, changing motives, transformation of heart. I want to honor you, God. I want to shift up who I am. Holy Spirit, convict in me where I am off, where I'm impure. Get the impurity out so the purity can only stay within. So I can see God at work. Those that are pure in heart, woo, you're going to see God all over your life. Everywhere you go, the opportunities you have, the moments you get, God blesses the pure of heart. We live in a generation here today that is so tied up in the fleshly desires that there's a compromise in purity of heart. We're saying, well, where's God at? God's all around. We're just missing it because maybe our hearts are off. What is on the inside of us? What is the desire of our lives? Are we trying to appease the flesh? Or are we trying to honor God with our lives? It's two different places. Man, we want to see God. We want his blessing on our lives. It comes from, we're going to get pure. We're going to be honorable. We're going to stand before our God and present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I don't care what I think, what I come from, what bad philosophies I have. I know what God's word is. So if you jump into it, you can start looking at Psalms 51, 10. It says this, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit with inside of me. David was a man after God's own heart. First Samuel, we're going to read it in just a second. David was a man after God's own heart. Created me a clean and pure heart. Created me. You got to have this desire on the inside of you to start this whole thing off. You want purity of heart? You better have a desire for it. It's not just coming. We live in a corrupt world. You got so many opportunities to step into idolatry and lust and greed and whatever else, envy. Step on social media just for two seconds. You're going to be, your heart's going to be jacked up. So it's creating me, this pure heart, this desire. I need, you got you to desire it and ask God for it. You want a pure heart? You want to honor God? You want to see him? You created me. God, I need you to create it in me. I live in a corrupt world. God created in me. You look in Psalms uh, or Proverbs 4.23, it says this, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So it's creating me, man, creating me this desire of a pure heart. I mean, get, God, I need you. But on the other side of that, you got to guard against it. Because here's the deal, out of your heart, everything else inside of your life flows. So we have this desire, man, we want, God, this purity, you got to have desire for it. But at the same time, you got to guard your heart against things that would compromise it. It's very easy to desire something, but not make any decisions to guard, to guard it. You can desire purity, but you'll walk right into a corrupt place. Right here, if you're in this place, you're like, you know what? I desire to lose some weight. And then you're walking into Baskin Robbins. That's not going to work. <laughs> right? You're like, God, I want to live a sexually pure life. But I need the club tonight, okay? I just need to get my club on. You know? Right? Whatever you're trying to get on. Not going to work. Right? It's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. You can have desire, but you got to have the right behaviors and the right alignment. We're talking about boundaries at the end of the year. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But you got to guard your heart. You got to put yourself in the best position to win. You can't desire something that's like, okay, I'm just going to go live whatever. There's got to be a method and a plan to say, I'm holding a standard to live right. I'm going to do what's right. What's in your heart determines everything else. I say it this way. One liner would say it this way. You're not going to see it on the screen. 
Whatever takes a seat in your heart will stand up inside of your life. Everywhere. Whatever takes a seat in your heart will always stand up inside of your life. It'll come out in your words. It'll come out in your thoughts. It'll come out in your behaviors. It'll come out in your love towards others. I mean, it comes out everywhere. Whatever takes a seat in your heart will come out and stand up in your life. Now, when it's written about in the New Testament, this is what it's talking about. The New Testament is writing towards the reality that your heart brings the entire function of your life. Your heart's not pumping. You don't got blood to your brain. You don't have blood to your brain. You lights out, right? Watch Top Gun. It'll show you, right? 10 G's. You're out, right? You lose it, you're out. That's like all Air Force pilots, they got to go through that whole thing of like, don't pass out. I would pass out with one G, okay? I was on a roller coaster at, uh, <laughs> at SeaWorld. I did the Superman. I tried to hold my breath through the loopy loops. Boy, I was out. <laughs> I was out the whole. I went through one loop. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I woke up at the end of the roller coaster. I was like, that was the quickest roller coaster ever. And I was sick for another two hours. I was mad. So, I don't know how we got there, but we got there, okay? So it flows into your life, everywhere of your life. Guard your heart above all else because it's going to flow into every aspect of your life. You've got to be careful. So you've got to guard your heart. Now, if we talk about heart, we get, get into the dynamics of the heart. It impacts every area of your life. Jesus would say this in Matthew 12, a tree is identified by its fruit. Its fruit, um, or if a tree is good, its uh, fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Start, yeah, okay. You brood of snakes, uh, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account for, uh, on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. Just case in point, watch your mouth because you're going to have to give an account for it. So the words, say, uh, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. What flows in? is going to flow out. What you allow in is going to flow out. It affects every area of your life. Mark 7, verse 14 says, then Jesus called to the crowd and said, uh, to come in here. He said, all of you listen here. He said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you, but what is it? You're defiled by what comes from your heart. Your heart affects everything. What are you allowing into your heart? The eye is the gateway to the heart, the Bible would say. What are you viewing? What are you looking at? I would also say the ear is a gateway to the heart. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who has an authoritative voice inside of your life? Who's got the authoritative voice inside of your life? I say this all the time for a young generation. You go off to college and you don't know the worldview of your professor, take things as suggestions, not as truths. He's not living upon an absolute, or they're not living upon an absolute truth, so you cannot take their words as absolute truth. They got opinions and ideas, and their worldview is contrary to a biblical worldview. It's the problem with our academic system today. They're living from a secular, humanistic worldview, empowering a generation to believe they are their own gods and there is no God creating a whole generation of lost people believing in the idea of intellectualism, which intellectualism is a beautiful thing. Knowing God is a beautiful thing. Amen. It all flows from there. You look at the great philosophers of old, they all flowed from God and the beauty of his creation. Right. We live in a generation that is godless and creating a generation of godless people. So I say that anybody you follow anywhere, politically, inside of life, any suggestion, 
that they make. If it's not their biblical worldview, it's a suggestion. It's not an absolute truth. If you don't know the truth, you'll fall for anything. You'll fall for lies and everything else in between. You'll fall for somebody that acts really good but has lost their mind on real life circumstances, right? Well, I, I believe this because so-and-so. Really? They don't love Jesus. They aren't following God. So how in the world can their ideas be productive for your life, Right? Got the biblical truth. Get the biblical truth into him. So out of it flows all of that. Because here's the deal. When, when, when God was looking at appointing the next king over Israel uh, for the, the evilness of the heart of man, they chose Saul. Saul looked good on the outside. Tall man. He was this big guy, handsome man. And so God allowed out of the evil desires of the Israelites to choose Saul to be their first king. And he failed because he dishonored God. God said, well, okay, with my, my king, I'm going to pick somebody that's going to honor me. This is where David is a man after God's own heart. Was David perfect? No. But what was he? His motives, his intentions, the direction of his life was, I'm going to honor God with my life. I'm going to keep my heart pure. I'm going to try to remove all impurities so that I can honor God with my life. And so you find in 1 Samuel, when God's speaking to Samuel before he goes and anoints David as king, he steps in to make sure he's clear to say, all of you list, or, uh, says, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Saying, you, you don't look at the outside, don't look at the beauty on the outside, the stature and all that other stuff. He says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is looking at the heart of man. He's looking into the motives. He's looking into the intentions. He's, he's looking far beyond the facade. Come on, we, we, we live in a generation that knows how to put the facade on. Instagram. Right? I want to start an account. This would be awesome. Tell me if I should do this. I want to start an Instagram account that, that's like what I'm really saying. Just like that's the account name, what I'm really saying. All the selfies, like there's, I look so good, right? <laughs> I want to like, I want to do that Instagram, right? On the beach, on vacation, like, look at my life, it's better than yours. I just want to, should I start that? Yes. No, that's too judgmental. It's too judgmental. Y'all, y'all trying to lead me astray. I get you. Lord was correcting my heart for a second. You're trying to appease my flesh. Right? We live in a world facade. We can put it on. We can show people. We can act. But the reality is maybe our hearts are far from God. That was the criticism Jesus gave to religious people. Man, you look good on the outside. You're out here praying all loud. It's like, keep your mouth shut. Get in your room. If you won't do it in your closet, why are you out here doing it on a corner with a bullhorn? Julio liked that one. Like, I got Julio, man. That was good. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. It's the reality. Jesus is like, Jesus expressing the heart of God. Who gives a rip what you look like and how you're worshiping inside of here? Are you worshiping in your car? Are you worshiping at your house? Are you putting the facade on to look good? Life is perfect. But your heart's far from God. So God's looking at the heart. He didn't care about the outward. He's looking at the heart. The heart, what's going on inside of our heart? What's the motive? What's the direction? What do we want to do? Are we living by a, a cultural compromise? Or are we living by biblical truth? God's looking at the heart. We achieve purity, and I'll give you two different ways we achieve purity, and there's a lot of different ways, but I would say the first one is obviously going to be through Jesus Christ. Without the blood of Jesus Christ for dying and paying for the price of our sin, the sin of our lives cannot be removed. So we are impure if we don't come to Jesus. Hebrews 
9.14 would say it this way, just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can what? Worship the living God. The blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us of these sinful deeds and have this place now of purity of heart we can come and worship God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Perfect lamb shed his blood to pay the price of our impurities, the funk inside of our junk. James 4, 7 through says this, so humbly, or so humble yourselves before God. The second thing, you gotta come to Jesus and the humility we operate in is when it's, we are not God, we humble ourselves before God. You are El Jefe for all the Hispanics in the house. Come on, somebody. For all the gringos, he is boss. We are the servants of the Lord. He calls the shots. We do, right? Anybody boss in here that like you say you're anybody, a team manager, you tell somebody to do something, they don't do it. How frustrating is that? Amen. Okay. I'm not going to talk anymore about that, but so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. What do you need to do? Purify your hearts. Purify them hearts. Get it right. Get the motives and the intentions right. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. The enemy is the ruler of this world, preying upon the fleshly desires of humanity, fleshly desires of humanity to compromise biblical conviction that we would be separated from God because we're full of impurities. That's the intentions. So humble yourself before God. Purify your hearts. Come to Jesus Ask for forgiveness, allow his blood to cover you. Second thing, keep on humbling yourself before God and put the motives in your heart to pure, live a pure life. I want to live pure, God. I want to honor you with my life. First thing I would say to keeping this purity, once you attain it through the, Jesus Christ and humbling yourself before God, the key, the first thing I would say is this, you got to obey God's word. You want to keep purity, it's going to come by obeying God's word. We live in a world today that is biblically ignorant or biblically illiterate, which means we just haven't spent time reading it. So today there's an enemy that is offering up false truths. And since we don't know biblical truth, we are believing the lie of the enemy that sounds like a truth. Right? God would want you to be happy. God would want you to be happy. God doesn't always want you to be happy. God wants you to live righteously. And sometimes bad behavior requires consequences, yeah. My girls don't like it whenever I put them in their room. And some of us need to go in our room for a minute, right? I got to light that backside up yesterday with a... Bryn's just been testing it, you know. The children try to be testing it. I said, girl, you test me one more time, I'm going to put my, I'm going to go grab that paddle. She didn't even know it was coming. I just grabbed the paddle while I was holding her. She didn't even know it was there. I put her down in the bed. Wow. She's like, oh, Lord, daddy's serious. Okay. Here's the beauty. God disciplines us because he loves us. He wants good things for us. Why do I discipline my, ch my children? Because I love them and I want good things for them. Some of us believe that there's a God that would, should allow us to walk off a cliff because he's so gracious and loving. No, that's not as unloving. 
We have a loving God that says, there's a cliff, don't go there. Oh, you, you keep on trying to go there? Well, let me just get a little paddle to let you know a little something, something, right? So God, he loves us. He cares for us. He instructs us. You know, as, uh, as Psalms would talk about, his rod and his staff, it's both and that is guiding and leading us. He's leading us to good pastures, but it's a rod and a staff in the process. We don't necessarily always like the rod, but we love the staff, the comfort of the staff. We serve a loving God that is gracious. He has plans for us. So obeying God's word sometimes comes with the opportunity of the enemy stepping in. If you want to look at one case as Jesus was in the wilderness, he comes out of the wilderness to start his ministry. And what does the enemy do? He presents him with false ideas that sound pretty close to the truth. And what does Jesus do? He brings back biblical truth to confront lies. And so Psalms would say this in 119 verse 9 through six, or verse 9 through 16. Yeah, I'll read this. It says, how can a young person stay pure? It says this, by obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited all, uh, aloud all the regulations you have given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much as in your riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I delight in your decrees and not, uh, and not forget your word. Number one, obeying God's word is how you keep purity of heart. But how do you do it? You got to know what God's word is and hide it inside of your heart. Jews back in the day would take boxes and put them on. They have scriptures inside of them. They'd wrap it around these leather straps. They'd wrap it around their arms or they have it on their foreheads. There's another place in scripture that says, write it across the doorpost. Make it clear. Make it very understandable. Make it present that anytime you, wherever you're at, remember, you got the word of God on your head. You got temptation? Word of God's on my head. Now, what would that thing say right there? You know, you find yourself cross-eyed half the time. Like, ah, yeah, okay, God's word says this. I'm not going to do that. It's a reminder. It's always, it's written, writing it on your heart, making sure you're clear, hide it inside of your heart that you don't what? Sin against God. You don't miss his expectations because he's got an expectation. He's got an expectation. Hide it in your heart. Obey that. The second thing I would say is you got to set your mind to the right things and get your hands to work on godly things. Set your mind on the right things and get your uh, life, your hands at work on godly things. The Bible would tell this and. um, Philippians 4, 8 through 9, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Get your mind in the right place. This is the power of the music that you listen to. What may have a good beat doesn't have a good message. And that beat will rock you all the way into hell. I'll tell you that right now. It'll put your mind right into the pit of hell. It puts your your thoughts into the pit of hell. And you're thinking, what in the world is going on with my life? Why can't I have have godly desire? Because you've corrupted your mind. It's been a gateway into your heart. And now what's seated in your life is lust, greed, envy, idolatry. And you are corrupted on the inside of your heart. And you're like, I want to live pure. You got to get your mind thinking about the right things. 
Man, I want to be an honorable person. I want to love people. I want to care for people that are broken. I want to be a lifeline to people that they might know Jesus Christ. I want to be a blessing to somebody today. I want everything that comes out of my mouth, Ephesians 4.29, to be a blessing unto others, a gift unto others. As they open the words that come out of my mouth, they're blessed. That's who I want to be. And that's got to be a pursuit. The motive of my heart is to honor God, to be a blessing to this world. I got to get my mind right in the right place. First thing you put on is some corrupted, jacked up music. Put your mind in the right place. Listen to the right things, right? The second thing it says in here is keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. You got to get your mind in the right place and then get your hands to work on godly things. Here's a really godly thing we're doing right here. Church. Serving in church is a great way to put your hand towards godly things. But man, living a life that represents Jesus outside of this place, as we say, if you're an owner inside of this house, live a life that represents Jesus Christ. Be the change agent inside of your workplace. Be the greatest evangelist. Be the Billy Graham of your workplace. Right? Be in there to love people, encourage people, buy them coffees, write them cards, let them know you're thinking about them, praying over their tough situations, believing for their healing. Be the person in there that's like crazy enough to say, you know what, you're hurting? Cool, let me just lay my hands on you real quick. Ain't got anointing all, but I got to lick it up in. in Jesus' name, I'm going to pray right now that there's COVID not on my mouth, but there is healing in my hand right now. Right? Mind in the right place, hand at the right things. You want to keep purity, mind in the right place, hand at the right things. Third thing I'll say is this, you got to guard it. First Peter 5, 6 through 9 says this, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil who prowls around like a what? Roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to take you out from godly things. He wants to take you out from a righteous life. He wants to take you out from living a holy life being separated amongst the generation. He wants to take you out. If you don't realize that, man, you could be living at the whim of whatever because you really don't believe your life matters. We don't believe that we really do matter. It says stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. What does that mean? Don't get in the woe is me mentality. It's only me. Elijah, I'm the only prophet in the land. It's only me, God. He's like, yeah, there's 4,000 other ones, sucker. It's a whole generation today that wants to live in the woe is me mentality. It's only me. It's not only us. We're not, we're not facing anything different than any generation before us has faced. It looks different, but it's the same temptation, the same fleshly desires. It just is expressed differently. What I say is this. You got to guard it. You got to know the enemy is after you. You want to guard your, you want to stay pure. You got to know the enemy is coming to compromise it. He's coming after you. I can't tell you how many times in the church world that a, a person that has been hurt in relationship time and time again comes into the church. They get healed in Jesus' name. My, my boyfriend now is Jesus. I'm just going to love Jesus. And man, God starts blessing them and start moving forward inside of their lives. The first thing that comes to tempt them of their flesh is Mr. Right. And we're like, hey, just going to let you know something. I just ain't God. Okay. It's been like two weeks, and you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. Calm down right now. How about you just keep on serving in church, slow it down, right? You ain't got to talk about marriage right now. Slow it down. 
First question I want to ask, does he love Jesus? Oh, it doesn't really matter. Okay. He will. And I can't tell you how many times that vulnerable individuals, the enemy uses the same playbook, right? Vulnerable individuals have the same fleshly desires to be loved and cared for, and they'll compromise relationship with Jesus to attain somebody that represents acceptance, and that very person uses them temporarily and eventually will discard them. It happens over and over again in the church. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I see it all the time. Nothing new under the sun. The Bible says the enemy ways are the same. He's just going to keep on doing the same thing. The thing about guarding it is when you are biblically wise, you know what God's word says, that you hit it inside of your heart, you got your mind in the right place, your hands at work in the right things, you are aware that the enemy is coming for you and you won't compromise. You're not willing to compromise because least in your father's house is better than your head in a pigsty somewhere else. And you know that because you've already been down there. You've already been down that road. You've already felt the pain. You've already felt the struggle. You've already felt all of that madness. And you realize if I compromise now, then man, there's pain coming in my future. When you're biblically wise, you rise above the temptation to realize this is not worth it. This ain't worth it. It looks really good. It'll be really fun for a moment. But the long-term effects is it will hurt my body. It will mess up my pursuit. I will, I will compromise my purity. God's hand of blessing will come off of me. His love does not, but his hand of blessing will and I will face consequences for the wages of sin is death. It is. And so you gotta be like a chess player. I, I put it like this, you gotta be a really good chess player. The best chess players in the world know the moment that a person makes a move on the other side of the board, they already know the entire strategy. The best chess players in the, the world, if you sit down with them and you make one move, they can take you out like that. Uh, They're like, uh, you're dumb. Boom. And the enemy operates just like that. Biblically ignorant and illiterate, temptation will be presented. You'll make a move on like, oh, yeah. And the enemy's like, got him. Got him. The best way to defend is you know the game. You know how it works. The moment the enemy does something, you're like, nope, but the Bible says this. Thank you very much. Oh, another move? Uh, yeah, yep, that's what the Bible says right now. I'm going to be a generous person. I'm gonna be an honorable person. I'm gonna be a loving person. I'm gonna be a gracious person. I'm gonna keep my mind in the right place. I'm not gonna be compromised in my sexual purity. I'm gonna live a life honorable before my God. You're gonna make a move, all good in the hood. I got one right back at you. Cause you ain't gonna get me. I'm not gonna fall victim to this madness. Amen. Be a really good spiritual chess player if you wanna put it that way. Know every single move and know how to confront it. Defend against them. Eventually, you're going to take them out. Here's the deal about the enemy. He'll always come looking for somebody he can devour. If you're vulnerable, he's coming for you. There's a moment in time where you get some spiritual maturity, where he can come with you at something, and it's just, it's not even, you don't even have to react. But he will come at you if you're making advances forward inside of your faith, for sure. So keep on moving forward. And trust God. The last thing I leave you with this is setting clear boundaries. Set clear boundaries. You want to keep purity? Set clear boundaries. Now, clear boundaries inside of our lives are, like I said earlier, you say, "Man, I'm going to live a life of this. 
Uh, is it James Clear, I think, with The Power of Habits? He wrote the book, Power of Habits. He says this. I believe this is James Clear. He says, um, the best way to exert self-control is when you don't have to exert self-control. The, the best way to exert self-control is when you don't have to. So meaning, uh, we'll just use the cookie jar analogy. Cookie jar analogy. The best way to exert self-control over eating the cookies of which my wife did not do for me yesterday. I slammed 12 of them puppies. It was awesome. I had a great time. But the best way to exert self-control over eating cookies is not to have cookies in the kitchen. Because I devoured 12 of them. And I know you can't tell. Got it, baby. Sometimes proud of it, not most time not. But the best way to exert self-control is not having the temptation. And I'll tell you this: growing up, when I was a kid, there's a cookie jar in the kitchen. I'd be like, anybody around? We live in a world here today. If you just want to look at the cookie. There's a whole lot of people that have the cookie jar present and open and we're wondering why we don't feel like we have any value. We're giving the cookie away to everybody and anybody seeking something that can't be found in it. Set clear boundaries inside of your life on what you will and what you will not do. Set your boundaries clear. I will not do this. I will not be a person that takes revenge. I will not be a person that covets somebody else's stuff. I will not be a person that desires X, Y, and Z. I will not be a person that gets behind closed doors with the opposite sex. As I was a student minister, I used to always say this, four on the floor, get out the door. I would say this even now. If you're behind closed doors with the opposite sex, you probably shouldn't be behind closed doors with opposite sex because everybody looks good whenever the lights are dim. I'll tell you that right now. Everybody looks good when the lights are dim. Something happens, something magical happens in the air. I think the enemy shows up and says, compromise now, because this will mess you up. And I know it will, but it's gonna feel good for a moment. But it may cost you your future. It may cost you your value. It may cost you your integrity. It may cost you your character. It may cost you everything compromise now. Four on the floor, get out the door. You get what I mean. Two feet are on the floor by two people means that two people are sitting up. Good, clear boundaries in here. I'm looking at some kids. I'm like, oh shoot, the kids are in here. Clear boundaries inside of your life on what you will and what you will not do. What you will and what you will not do. Clear boundaries. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to step into a physical relationship with somebody before marriage. It's not God's design, so don't do it. It's not God's design. You want to honor God with your body. You want to live a pure life. You want to present your body as a living sacrifice to God. He cares about it. Now I get it. We live in a flesh, fleshly world. I get it. But we want God's blessing on our lives. God blesses the pure in heart. They will see God. They will see him. So in here today, wherever you're at on this journey, 
I pray through this conversation that there's an appetite, a desire on the inside of you. Say, you know what? I want, I want to see God in my life. I want him to move on the inside of my life. You know, we talk about just in general, the desires of the flesh, and this ties to everything. Whatever it may be, sexual, sinful, lustful, whatever it may be. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he made it clear to her that you're not gonna find it in these fleshly things. The water you're looking for that quenches the thirst of humanity comes from me. And you may be looking for it in money, you may be looking for it in relationships, you may be looking for it in, in position, you may be looking for it in whatever, being justified. True joy and happiness comes from knowing Jesus Christ. He quenches a thirst that can never be quenched by earthly, fleshly desires. So if you're in here today and you're saying, man, I, I feel this. I feel it. I feel funky. You'll hear me say it in here and hopefully this isn't offensive. You feel funked up. You feel funked up in your life. More than likely it's a compromise. Something has taken seat in your heart and it's standing up in your life. God's desire is that you would be pure and holy, separated amongst the corrupt society. So I'm gonna have a stand up to our feet here today. And what I pray for us in this space is, one, through Jesus Christ, two, humbly becoming for God, that we find ourselves in a place where God can create in us a pure heart. If you need Jesus, ask for Jesus to move in your life. If you need the Holy Spirit to bring into remembrance or bring clarity to your life, that maybe the intentions of your heart today are for all the wrong reasons. You're doing what you're doing in your career today and you're sacrificing because you want money. God says you can't serve both God and money. Come on, you're seeking today relationships. Jesus says you're looking for it in man. You can only find it in me. Whatever it is that the intentions of your heart are rooted in the wrong place. Can we sit here today just for a moment as these guys sing out and worship? God created me a pure heart. Search my heart, O oh Lord, and see where I am off. Reveal in me what, I, what needs to be corrected. Reveal in me what needs to be removed. And can we just press in and pursue God just for a minute that where we are off, He can make us right. We step into a right relationship with God. Come on, let's sing it out together. Who am I to be worthy? Who am I that you're mindful of me? Who am I that you call me yours? Who am I that you love me? Who am I that you love me? Who am I that you save my soul? Who am I without you?
church community today, including myself, Lord, that you would convict me, God, bring to awareness things in my life. Father, don't represent you that, Father, that is, is compromised on the inside of me. Father, where we, we've looked through the, the wrong lens, that, Father, the motives of our heart are in the wrong place. Holy Spirit, convict us today. We repent of our our perspective. We repent of our evil desires, God. We ask you to forgive us. Purify us. Cleanse us today, God. Father, the, the direction, the motives, the intentions of our lives would be in the right place, God. Father, our church is operating from a place of honoring you with these bodies that are alone these lives in which you have breathed into us, God. Knowing that what is life without you? What is living without you? Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross, that your blood has paid for our sin. That you purified us, purified our lives, and given us a new heart. Holy Spirit, lead us into our future, that your fruit would come out of us, we would be trees, good trees, producing good fruit. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. And amen in the house of the day. Amen. Jerry, take us away. Amen. Purity. Amen. Uh, before we get going today, guys, you guys can remain standing. I won't be long-winded, but I want to lead us into a time of giving here today. Behind me on the screen, you're going to see a couple of the ways that you can give. If you're a first-time guest, in no way, shape, or form are we asking you to give here today. But if you are an owner in a house, this is our time to do so. And just a cool story I wanted to highlight out of last week. If you guys were here last week, we got to have our student takeover, which was an incredible time, a year of planning for us, and much more of dreaming and praying for that day to become a reality. And if you don't know, we, we also ended the day in 20 student baptisms, which was incredible. It, it, it was, yeah. It was a really special moment, and, and one uh, young lady in particular I wanted to highlight. She, if you were in the room when she got baptized and she went under, you wouldn't have had a dry eye at all. I was not even trying to fight back tears. They were happening. It was a beautiful profession of her faith. It was authentic. It was genuine. But getting to know her and her family and, her, and their story, she actually had found her faith a year prior and had, they had been praying and searching for a church home where she could have her baptism. So they found Pearl Street Church in January and they decided to make it their church home. 
And in, in doing so, in that time leading up, they heard about student takeover and that we were going to have baptisms, and they knew it was the moment that they had been praying for. So it was, a, it was an awesome moment that we got to celebrate with them, um, with the whole church, and it's through our obedience, our faithfulness, and our generosity to this house that stories like that even get to happen. Um, so it was, it was cool. Outside of that, some, a couple announcements. This next week on Thursday, we're having a bowling hang for young adults. So if you're a young adult in the house, find, a, find someone on team with a badge or look on the website. We're having like weekly opportunities to hang out this summer. Um, but today, if you guys gave your life to Jesus, you want to get some, build some community, you have some time to hang out, we have a food truck right outside. As you guys leave, you're welcome to spend some time with us if we can get to know you. Next week is Father's Day. We're excited to celebrate you dads in the house. So we will see you next week for Father's Day. Y'all have a blessed week. Bye, you guys.